You are listening to episode 20 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest Dan Waldman. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Uh, I'm really happy that we've made it to number 20. And we've got a great episode for you today with Dan Waldman, who is a world champion, a multiple-time world champion, in fact, as a senior tennis player. Uh, you know, he plays 60s, I believe, right now, tournaments all over the world, and he's won a world championship in France and in Turkey uh, over the past few years. And uh, he's really uh, an amazing guy because he finds time to, to keep training and keep improving his game. And this is something that I know a lot of you guys wanted to know about. Um, you know, when I emailed you asking what your number one issue, uh, biggest problem with tennis was, uh, a lot of you are, you know, aged in the 50s and 60s and so forth. And so you asked me to bring on a guest who is playing tennis at this age and kicking butt. And uh, you wanted to learn more about how to excel uh, well into your senior years. And so I brought Dan on the show to give you an in-depth discussion about exactly what he does, how he trains, uh, what type of workouts he does, how many times a week he plays, his thoughts on injury prevention, nutrition, and um, just his mindset at this age. So it was really a pleasure to speak with Dan, and I hope you learn a ton from this interview. And without further ado, here is my interview with Dan. Hey everybody, we're here with Dan Waldman, who is a fantastic tennis player. Uh, he played tennis at Harvard, I think back in the 70s. Was it right, Dan? That's right. Fantastic. And so Dan is definitely unique to the podcast in the respect that he is ranked number 23 in the world in the men's 60s uh, division. And so we've had a lot of people in the audience who play in their older age, and they like to know... Yeah, how to improve well beyond, uh, you know, just your 20s and 30s and, and to keep improving because tennis is a lifelong sport. And so um, yeah, I brought Dan on the show to uh, help us learn more about that. And Dan is also a world champion. Dan won the 35th Seniors World Individual Championships last year in France. And he also won that same tournament two years prior to that tournament in Turkey. And he's also a national champion as well. Uh, he won a national clay court tournament uh, without dropping a set uh, last year. And he is also an attorney like myself, which I find to be pretty cool, uh, at Arnold and Porter. So, uh, Dan, I just want to really uh, welcome you to the show, and I appreciate you being on. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Well, thank you, Dan. The pleasure is all mine. So I just want to start off by asking you a bit about your background. So how did you get started playing tennis? Well, my parents both played. My father was quite a good player, played number one for his college tennis team, um, and uh, he used to play on the weekends. He was also a lawyer, and 
he would take me uh, to the courts with him and I'd watch him play and then you usually make a little time at the end to allow all around a little bit and I was always kind of enjoyed sports I played all kinds of sports as a kid but uh, because my parents were both tennis players I I uh, did a lot of tennis uh, you know starting when I was probably six seven or eight uh, and uh, that's kind of how I got started Awesome. And uh, just curious, obviously, because you grew up kind of in a g- different generation uh, from from mine, let's say. Uh, did you have any tennis idols when you were young? You know, I was, oh, I, I, I was always somebody who just enjoyed watching people play. I liked different styles. I used to love uh, the, uh, some of the Australians. Roy Emerson was a big, uh, um, you know, idol of mine. Uh, the the men's players and the U.S. Davis Cup, uh, Chuck McKinley and Dennis Ralston, uh, I used to follow uh, quite closely. But I, I, I can't say there was one person who, you know, I had their poster up in my room or anything like that. I think uh, I just used to love to follow the sport and used to go to Forest in the old days all the time and, uh, and uh, just kind of study the players. I, I always enjoyed that. That's fantastic. And, um, Obviously, you've been playing the game for uh, quite a while, and I just want to ask you, uh, what has kept you playing tennis for all these years? Uh, well, it's a, um, you know, it's one of those sports that can kind of hook you in at an early age, and you get a lot of, uh, or at least I get a lot of pleasure from just going out there and and hitting the ball. I I, I enjoy working on things. I enjoy trying to perfect it. It's a little bit like those, I guess, those pigeons or something who hit those levers in order to get the pellets. Well, I just like to keep hitting those levers because uh, it gives me a certain sense of accomplishment. So, I, I uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it my whole life. And, uh, you know, it's great to stay fit, uh, a great way to stay fit. And it's also a great way to be outdoors. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, it's, 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 I've enjoyed it. Um, even when I wasn't competing much, uh, I still just enjoyed hitting balls. And so, you know, you mentioned that obviously the health and fitness aspect of tennis, but, you know, obviously you compete a lot, you know, at this age, which isn't, let's say that, that common. And so what in particular drives you to keep playing tennis tournaments and competing? Well, I think if you play a lot and you work on things and trying to improve aspects of game, at some point you want to be uh, to, to measure how things are going. You want to test yourself. You want to see uh, if that, you know, whatever you're working on actually is translating when it comes to, uh, you know, competition, which is really the, the only way to really test your game. So um, I, I, I enjoy that aspect of it. I also enjoy the fact that I've been competing my life and, and so you meet lots of people through competition around the world. Uh, I run a, uh, international tennis organization here in the U S uh, that plays other countries. And, and so it's a great way not only to reconnect with old friends, but make new ones. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot about competition that I like, uh, but part of it is just to kind of put yourself out there and see, see how you're doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you make so many great connections and some that, uh, you know, can help you in, in your life in other aspects, not just tennis. And it's always uh, fantastic to test yourself and see what you can do under pressure, which I'm sure you really enjoy. Um, but Dan, I just want to step back a bit and ask you about your experience uh, playing college tennis at Harvard, uh, because I've I actually interviewed Dave Fish, who's the current head coach at Harvard University on, I believe, episode 
12. I'll have to recheck that. But um, I, yeah, so I just want to ask you uh, how it was like playing back in the day. Yeah, so, so Dave, when I first uh, got Harvard, David was the assistant coach. And then uh, when I was captain of the Harvard team, he it was his first year as a college coach. So I was actually his first captain. So Dave and I go way back and continue to stay on, stay in touch. But uh, college tennis is, is a great, you know, it's a great thing. It's a great uh, bonding experience for, you know, your teammates and for you. And, uh, and it's also, uh, you know, it's highly, uh, uh, you know, it's intense. It's highly competitive. It's a team format. So I, I've always liked that. And, you know, we played a good schedule. So we'd go down south and play the best teams in, on the East Coast. We didn't at that time do a West Coast trip the way they do now, but, uh but, you know, I, I felt like I tested myself against many of the best players in the country and uh, and could do it in an, in an environment where, you know, I could still get a pretty decent education. So it was uh, it was a win-win for me. I really enjoyed college tennis a lot. That's fantastic. And I am curious because, uh, you know, some things have changed about college tennis. So first of all, did you play Let's back when you were playing? No, that's a recent uh, recent rule. Um, that uh, no, we 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 uh, didn't have the current rule where they play lets. Uh, I think that I can't remember how many years ago that was put in, but it was uh, well after my time. All right, and then also in regards to doubles, did you play uh, best two out of three, or was it a pro set at that time? Yeah, no, it was it was best two out of three, and. Um, Instead of counting for one point, it counted for three points because you played six singles and three doubles, and every match counted as a point. So doubles was, uh, uh, you know, I was also somewhat consistent with the time where doubles was still a big deal, and uh, all the top players played doubles. And in college tennis, uh, doubles was three of the nine points, so it was it was significant. All right, very interesting. I didn't know that about the doubles uh, counting for more points. Did you ever consider going pro? Uh, well, I played. Um, I played some professional uh, tournaments after I graduated. I was on the uh, American Express circuit, which at that point was a uh, satellite circuit that led up to the U.S. Open, which which kind of attracted players. I would say from seventy five to two fifty in the world. Uh, and at that time, I was uh, touring around and playing doubles with a, a fellow who uh, you may remember, uh, Tim Mayotte. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so we, so I, I gave it a little bit of a shot, but it was uh, uh, parents were both lawyers. I was into law school, uh, and uh, I really, uh, uh, for better or worse, decided that that was the route I was going to go as opposed to heading to Europe and like so many of my friends did, uh, but um, you know, it, it's something I I uh, I missed a little bit out on, but uh, but but I but you know, you, uh, no second guessing. I also, when the um, what's now the City Open came to Washington back then, I guess it was the Washington Star. The people who organized it were kind enough several years to give wild cards into the qualifying, so I would play with the professionals. Uh, uh, back then too, so uh, I had a, some some professional experience, but obviously I didn't really give it a full full effort. Oh well, no, that is really fantastic. I did not know that you actually played the qualies of the uh, of what's now the City Open, which it was must have been just an amazing experience playing locally. 
Oh, yeah. I'll tell you one quick story about that. I remember, uh, I think the second or third year I played it, um, I was uh, uh, playing some fella who was on his way up in the first round. Um, and I think I got through that. And then the second round, I was playing somebody else. I, I, I actually knew I had played in North Carolina State, and I might have even beaten in college. So I... I um, I was looking ahead to the to who I might play in the third round mm-hmm. and qualify for the tournament, which I thought would have been amazing. Uh, and I saw this guy out there hitting balls uh, two on one and just smashing the ball like I'd never <laughs> seen before in my life. Uh, and I said, well, that's the end of this uh, qualifying, because even if I beat this guy <laughs> I'm playing now, there's no way I can beat this other fella. And it turned out I was I got up 4-1 or something like that ahead, and then I faded and I lost and uh, anyway, but I would, I, I later found out that the guy I was watching was uh, Thomas Mooster, who within, oh, wow. uh, you know, within 18 months was top five in the world and ultimately number one in the world. Uh, but yeah, just watching him up close when he was 17 or 18 was, was quite impressive. I wish, uh, I had that match back. So, cause I would have loved to have played him. Well, yeah, no, that that's an amazing story, but uh, you know, no regrets. You did the best you could, and uh, you know, you've you definitely you continue to have a great uh, tennis career, um, regardless of that match. But also, I'm curious because I, you know, went to law school myself, and I actually took a break playing tennis. Uh, I think for all, all three years, basically. But uh, were you able to play any tennis while you were in law school? Um, I, I, I went to Columbia and I, and because I had played at Harvard, I knew a bunch of the kids on the Columbia team. So I would go out occasionally and play with them. Uh, the number one guy at that time was a fellow by the name of Eric Fromm, who ended up probably top 50 in the world, uh, after he left school. Um, and I hit with him a little bit and there are a few other guys on the Columbia team that I used to play with, but, uh, law school was, I'm sure you remember as a very, yeah, intense experience. So uh, your time is pretty is pretty limited. And I remember playing, but I wouldn't say I played a lot. Yeah, no, that definitely makes a lot of sense, and it was tough. But so, Dan, uh, and now I'm going to get into you know your your special sauce. You know how you compete, and you know despite your age, which I mean, age is just a number, but it regardless, it's really <laughs> tough to you know compete uh, when you're when you're in your 60s and 50s and whatnot. And uh, we have a lot of people who, when I ask them uh, via email, you know, what is your number one issue? Uh, have, I have a lot of people who are actually, uh, you know, senior players like Gene, Charlie, and Spoopza who who ask me questions about, uh, you know, how can I improve? What you know, in my age, uh, I'm 60, I'm 70. So the first question I'm going to ask you uh, is simply just how often do you play tennis these days? Yeah, it really depends. Um, I mean, it depends on how busy I am at work. Am I traveling, preparing for an event? Am I just uh, trying to uh, kind of stay in shape in the winter without anything particular coming up? So it'll really vary. I will try as a general matter to play two or three mornings during the week uh, before I go to work and then both days on the weekend but um, doesn't always work out that way. Uh, on the other hand, if I'm getting ready to play an event, I'm going off to play the senior team championships in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I'll be kind of gearing up over the next two weeks and try to play, you know, uh, fit in another game or two during during the week. So um, that's 
kind of my schedule. It, but as I say, it varies and will definitely uh, depend on what else is going on in my life. Well, well, that's really fantastic, Dan, because it sounds like on average you're playing four to five times a week, uh, which is great. And you're sneaking in some sessions before work. So I imagine you wake up uh, fairly early. Is that right? Yeah, I generally get up and play early. Uh, obviously, you need to find people to play with who won't do that, that as well. But uh, I have a pretty good group of people. So, yeah, that's 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 my routine, I find. Once I get to work, especially I work downtown, it's just hard for me to get out and play. I never know what my schedule is going to be once I'm in the office. So uh, it's better, easier for me to play early morning. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for years and years. Great. And if you don't mind, you know, a lot of people are interested in morning routines. So I'm just curious, um, you know, if you could just briefly tell us like how your mornings go. Like, for example, you know, a typical morning when you're able to like, what do you do? You wake up and then you eat breakfast and play tennis yeah. and go to work. Uh, I, or? Uh, I usually, yeah, I usually rush to the tennis court cause I'm always, you know, uh, uh, having gotten up, I'm usually cutting it pretty close. Um, <laughs> so I'll rush to the tennis court. I'll try to warm up slowly. Um, maybe I'll, I'll do a little training or books or work on the, uh, uh, you know, a life cycle or something like that for, for a few minutes, I'll go out and hit. Uh, then afterwards I will usually stretch. Um, and then I'll go off to work, but some days where I'm not playing tennis, I just go out to the, to the the gym to work out. And some days I'll play tennis and then work afterwards, depending on how much time and what I have, uh, uh, you know, awaiting me in the office. So, but, but I will try to uh, vary my routine a little bit so that I can fit uh, sort of off-court workouts, including lifting and stretching. Well, that's fantastic to hear, Dan. I mean, it's really important to just reemphasize to our audience that, you know, you have to fit in workouts as well here and there with, with your tennis because, you know, if you just keep playing tennis or, you know, chances are you might get injured and things like that if you're not strong enough to handle it. And so, um, you know, I guess you've kind of touched on on this a bit, but I, I just want to ask you, um, you know, in particular, how are you able to play singles, uh, you know, in your 50s and 60s and such, when many other players are actually transitioning to doubles in their 40s and 50s? Yeah, well, again, I, I, I view the fitness aspect of it as an important, uh, you know, attraction for playing tennis. So if I can get out and run around and get a good workout by playing singles, um, I'm definitely going to try to do it. Now, sometimes uh, your body doesn't always uh, cooperate, and uh, uh, but as a general matter, while I love to play doubles, I usually... Uh, we'll play doubles as a, you know, second game of the day on the weekend or, uh, on a day that I otherwise might not have played tennis at all. Uh, just because, uh, you know, if I, I, I find that my time is sufficiently precious that I, you know, I'm going to play, I try to play, uh, uh, as much singles as I can, but, uh, you know, that's not always, that's not always possible. Your health, you know, your body may not feel up to it every day so you have to listen to your uh to your body and if and and so doubles is always a nice uh, fallback for me that's fantastic and so i'm curious about your off-court um you know routine so uh if you could maybe describe what you do in those if you lift weights and you know kind of just just summarize it sure 
Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll go on the bike. I'll go on the uh, elliptical, um, especially during the winter. Um, I do more of that, um, but I do it all year round. Uh, I lift all year round, so one or two days a week I lift, and I'll lift usually for everything. I'll lift for my leg, I'll lift for for uh, uh, my shoulders, and and, uh, um, and then I'll do stuff for my core. So. Um, and then I stretch a fair amount. I used to do a little hot yoga, but now I just try to incorporate some of the stretching, uh, uh, to just a normal workout, uh, after usually after I play or after I work out. So that, that that's the, that's my typical routine. I'll vary all those things, but I try to try to do the lifting and try to do the stretching relatively religiously, just cause I, I know, you know, injury prevention is, is, probably one of the most important things we do as we get older right no for sure and i guess uh, on that on injury prevention uh, what are a couple tips you can give us to prevent injuries well i i think you know the combination of uh, um of flexibility and uh, um strength is 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 incredibly important i think uh, people underestimate how uh, important uh, flexibility is, uh, you're just putting a lot of pressure on your body. If you're, uh, uh, if you're not flexible and, uh, and if you're not, uh, efficiently, you know, strengthening the muscles around the joints, I think that puts, uh, puts you at risk as well. Um, and you know, the other thing that people, especially in Washington, now that summers has, uh, hit, uh, hydration is usually important. when I talk to physios at tournaments and the like, uh, especially in recent years, uh, they all emphasize how important hydration is that I think that a lot of injuries come from the combination of, uh, of stress on the muscles or fatigue of the muscles plus lack of hydration. And so that's something that uh, I, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it's certainly something I've told a lot and I, I'm a believer. No, great points. I appreciate all that, Dan. And so to get a bit into the minutiae of your, let's say your lifting, uh, I'm curious, just um, do you use uh, free weights, machines, or do you vary it up? Yeah, I'm a little bit a creature of habit. I don't use free weights, although I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of tennis players do. Uh, I tend, I, I mean, I shouldn't say I don't entirely. I'll use them for my for, for like wrists and, and forearms and stuff like that. But for the most part, I use machines, but I, I think that's just a force of habit. I, I work out a lot at uh, Georgetown University, and they have a really good circuit of machines, and I do the whole circuit um, uh, from, you know, legs through shoulders and arms and everything else. But uh, um, I, 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 I know people who swear by the free weights, and I think uh, – Really, if you look at the pros, a lot of them are doing more with free weights and doing more with bands and other things like that. Right. Uh, but I'm, I guess I'm a traditionalist. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I hear you, Dan. I mean, machines definitely have their place. And I think, you know, you're still benefiting your body quite a bit by working them out because you're still, you know, strengthening them. They just, it may just be a bit more isolated than free weights, but regardless, you know, that's great. And uh, to your point of stretching, I just want to also harp on that because we had Alistair McCaw who uh, was training uh, Kevin Anderson a number maybe 18 in the world now and he he commented that he thinks the number one reason for Djokovic's success is his flexibility um it's just really important to be able to uh get to that ball if it, you know your your flexibility will help you do that so now on the topic of injury again i, I am curious in all these years playing tennis have you ever been injured oh boy you can't play tennis at any level at all without being, without being injured. So yes, I go through injuries and we all do. I've been uh, knock on wood, relatively fortunate with major injuries, but uh, I was foolishly last year at a Washington Castles match in, in the front row and I tried to catch a ball and uh, I broke my finger. So uh, on my playing hand, so, uh, you know, you can get injuries and dumbest sort of ways, but uh, we all get them. And uh, I've had back issues. I certainly have had knee tendonitis issues. It's just, unfortunately, it goes with the territory. You can you can be, uh, um, you know, some of the injuries you can play through, others you need to take time off. But uh, overall, you just have to accept it as part of the game. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, as I think I mentioned, you know, some of our audience, they, especially, uh, seniors, well, I mean, everyone gets injured, but they've gotten injured and they kind of struggle with these injuries and getting back to playing shape again. So I'm curious in some of those injuries you mentioned, like the back injury, uh, what was the key in your opinion to recovering as quick as possible and getting back on the court? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I think, the first time I, I had a serious back issue, um, I was uh, very—I uh, uh, shouldn't say—scared, but I was very cautious about my recovery. I didn't do very much. I tried to rest it, um, and uh, as it turned out, I think it, it worked out okay in the sense that felt better after a fairly long time off—at least two or three months, I think, or at least. Maybe it was maybe it was only two months, but um, the next time I had a similar episode, I was much more active. Uh, I got on the bike relatively uh, soon, uh, and I tried to, you know, do exercises that didn't put strain on the back, but that mm-hmm. kept me uh, kept me active. And uh, I actually found that I recovered quicker that time. Um, so, you know, my philosophy is if you can get out there and, and rest the the injury, but while still staying active, your body uh, is likely to uh, heal itself uh, quicker. Um, that doesn't always the case. Obviously, you need to consult with your 
physical therapist or a doctor, depending on the injury. But overall, whether it was my broken finger or my back, I tried to do things, other things, uh, so that I wasn't just sitting around letting my muscles atrophy. Yeah, no, that's uh, great information. I really appreciate that. And yeah, yeah, you're definitely correct. I mean, obviously, for example, I have chondromalacia, which is kind of a, a atrophy of the cartilage, I believe, in my knee. But um, I do feel that when I, the, the more I work out, the better I it feels, and the less I work out, the weaker it feels. And so, when you can get out there, like Dan says, and at least work out, uh, you know, work the other muscles, and uh, oftentimes these supporting muscles will help you, uh, you know, just feel better and, you know, you get blood flowing and you can, you can recover quicker potentially, but obviously, you know, consult a, a doctor or physical therapist on these things. Um, the quick question about your stretching routine, I'm just curious, do you use, um, bands or anything or just good old fashioned, you know, just hands to feet and whatnot? Yeah, usually I don't, I, I mean, I have from time to time used bands, but, uh, I usually, uh, just find uh, yoga poses and other other things to be certainly adequate. Uh, I'm not, you know, I don't view myself as a super flexible person, but uh, uh, I've certainly improved that over age. So that's uh, that's been positive. Great, and um, just curious about your diet as well. Have you found that you have to be uh, more conscious than when you were younger with your diet? Uh, yes, I should be, and I and I try, especially coming into tournaments. Uh, I I do have a uh, um, a sweet tooth, so I I and sometimes when I'm in the office, particularly under pressure or stress, I I uh, don't really eat as well as I should. I view that as one of my sort of weaknesses, but I don't seem to have the discipline that I should when it comes to diet. I, I mean. When I'm at a tournament or I'm leading up to a tournament, my diet tends to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to cut out the uh, the fats and the sweets, and uh, um, but I, I will say that I think that's one of the weaker aspects of my training regime. Oh yeah, I mean you know it can be very tough. I mean you work at one of the most well-respected law firms in the world, so I mean that's obviously no joke. So you have a lot of hours behind you and stuff. But you know, for those of you who want to learn a lot about nutrition, I interviewed Jeff Rothschild, who uh, actually works with Mike Bryan and Stefan Kozlov, and he has a lot of great information on uh, episode fourteen. I also want to ask you about uh, your game, and and do you would you say your game has improved over the last ten years? Um, I would say it is improved relatively. I certainly don't think it's improved on any kind of absolute sense because you just lose you lose speed, you lose power um, as you age, uh, and that's just a reality. But I certainly think that I've you know, over the years, become smarter about how I play. I understand my game better, and certain aspects of my strokes I think have improved. Uh, so it's a, that's a that's a tough question to really answer. But I think, and I think the game is generally the technology has improved, and so um, you know there are aspects of what I do now that I that I think are better. But for the most part, I. I think it's more a question of slowing down the rate of decline than, uh, and then completely uh, obliterating it. At what point in your life did you feel like you, quote-unquote, lost a step? I'm curious. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think it's quite that simple. I think there are days when I feel, and 
walls even more concrete than that. They're not. They're 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 moments when I feel like I can move uh, as fast as I did ten years ago. Uh, but maybe it's not as consistent. Maybe my reaction time isn't isn't always as good. Um, you know, I've I've felt over over from sort of age 45 on that uh, I'm losing a little speed. I was very, you know, I'm kind of uh, small and I was very quick and fast as a kid. And my, my speed, again, was relative, remained relatively good and I think is still relatively good. But I would say in your 40s, you start to feel like uh, you're not consistently as quick and as, as explosive as you once were. You know, regardless of that, I, I truly admire your dedication and, you know, how often you play tennis and train and exercise and lift weights and stuff to, to help you, you know, still do the best that you can when you're on the court at competing. And so what do you think has been the key, uh, you know, I guess in other words, like what's your mindset that enables you to keep trying to improve your game and play the best that you can? Well, I think I, I, I think I love I love the sport and I love everything that the sport has kind of given me. And that makes me want to go out there and, and continue to do it. So I think, uh, you know, I, I obviously uh, enjoy the competition. So I, I want to do well when I'm competing. So that's the motivator. But I also think, I, you know, even when I'm competing, I love, I love to uh, go out and work on things. I love uh, to uh, just kind of hit ball. So, um, you know, it's, I think it comes down to, it's kind of a cliche, but you hear it from a lot of people is that they basically love the game. And if you really love the game, uh, that's going to get you out there and do, you know, uh, what's necessary to try to get the most out of your ability. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, passion is uh, so important. And uh, if you're passionate about something, you're going to excel, uh, just like you are, Dan. And uh, just curious, uh, what's the biggest change that you've noticed uh, in tennis throughout your career? Well, I, I, I guess that's a good question also. I, I, I would say that uh, just the pure power and spin that uh, uh, has been introduced to the game has changed it so fundamentally. You know, I play a lot of senior tennis against people whose games were, you know, forged at a time with wood rackets and up the modern strings and their games, you know, growing up on grass or on, you know, faster surfaces, lower bouncing surfaces. And the game just really, it's a different game. And you look at the modern player and, and you see how hard they hit the ball, how much spin they hit the ball with, how, how dynamically they move as a result of the new stroke and the new fitness and all. And, and it's just, you know, those are very dramatic changes. Uh, you just, I mean, anyone who watches an old tennis film of, you know, the players as good as they were. And, you know, when I was growing up, it's like, a, it's just a different game. Yeah, no, it sure is. And, uh, Dan, I, I want to ask you this question too. You know, you've been hugely successful, you know, multiple times world champion. Why do you think, that you have been able to be a, a world champion in these past few years? Uh, I have no idea. I would say <laughs> I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate with genetics, with uh, injuries. Uh, I've I've been able to uh, to work hard at my tennis uh, because my body has allowed me to, uh, and. Uh, 
I'm, uh, you know, and I, and I still love the sport. I haven't lost, uh, lost the, uh, the passion for it. So, um, I think all those have contributed, but frankly, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I've, uh, I just consider myself lucky. I, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it all comes together for you, Dan, the hard work you put in the court, uh, on the court and, uh, in the gym, uh, really helps you out. And so, you know, Dan, I know you've, you've got to get in a, on a call. Just, uh, I just want to, uh, for your audience, uh, I know you work at Arnold and Porter, but where can our audience, uh, you know, perhaps reach you or find you online? Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, um, I, I don't, uh, I'm not uh, that much into this social media. I'm, I, uh, I must say I'm kind of a little behind the times. I probably will, will get there. I, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm sure, uh, for my work, but, uh, uh, tennis, you know, I'm not sure what the best way to reach me is, but certainly feel people should feel free to email me, uh, at my office and, uh, Happy to talk to folks about tennis. It's always uh, uh, something I enjoy doing. Sure. Well, I mean, if you need a great lawyer, uh, you know, Dan's right here for you. That's right. Or <laughs> that's right. Or 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 for law, either one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so, Dan, I always like to ask one final questions for our guests. Uh, sorry, one final question to our guests. Uh, what is you know, in your view, the the best way the tennis players, uh, in particular seniors, can improve their tennis game. Well, we've talked about a lot of different factors. I think it's, they all are important, uh, but I would say uh, uh, stick with the stretching and the and the weightlifting, and get yourself a good coach and a good somebody who you enjoy playing with, and get out there and uh, and practice. And it doesn't hurt. I say I think we all learn visually. It doesn't hurt to watch watch good players play and look look at how they're hitting the ball. I think that's. I find that incredibly helpful, and I think uh, most people uh, will as well. well I, I agree with all that, Dan, and uh, you know, I want to be able to get you on your call on time. So, uh, Dan, you know, thank you so much. It was really great to speak to you know world champions such as yourself, and uh, I really wish you all the best. And uh, hopefully, I can uh, meet up with you one day. And uh, you know, thanks again for being on the show. Oh, terrific! Thank you for having me. Great questions, and uh, look forward to following you uh, in the future. Thanks a lot, Dan. I uh, appreciate it. Okay. Take care of yourself. Go on. Take care. Thanks. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Dan and learned a ton about how to improve your game regardless of your age. Uh, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. And I think it would be really awesome if you guys subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast. And you can simply do that by going into any podcast app uh, that you use to listen to the Tennis Files podcast and just hit the subscribe button. And uh, I just want to leave you with a quote, uh, as I often love to do at the end of the show. Today's quote is from Henry Ford, who says, Anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. The greatest thing in life is to keep your mind young. So just do everything you can to learn and to keep your mind and your body young. And take the advice uh, that Dan gave us all uh, during the interview and do uh, just uh, work your hardest, do your best. And again, thanks so much for listening. And uh, I look forward to having you all listen in to the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.